All Rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial with Frank Graney, a News Talk original podcast. A woman in her 20s has died following an assault in County Offaly. The incident happened along the Canal Bank at Cappenker in Tullamore at around four o'clock this afternoon. Breaking news, the arrest made on suspicion of murder of Ashling Murphy, the school teacher. Joseph Puska of Linali Grove, Mukla County Offaly, appeared before a special sitting of Tullamore District Court last night. On the afternoon of the 12th of January last year, Ashley Murphy, a 23-year-old school teacher, was killed while exercising along the banks of the Grand Canal in Tullamore. Josef Puska, a 33-year-old Slovakian man, is on trial for her murder. He has pleaded not guilty. I'm Frank Rainey, Courts Correspondent for News Talk. And I'm Ashling Moore, Radio Producer. I'll be in the Central Criminal Court for every minute of the Ashley Murphy murder trial. And every evening we'll bring you a factual, accurate and balanced account of what the jury hears on any given day. And only what the jury hears. It's their job to decide on the facts of this case and they'll do so based only on the evidence presented to them at trial. And I should say that if you happen to be one of the jurors on this trial, then you've already been warned not to follow any of the media coverage and that includes this podcast. This is All Rise, the Ashling Murphy murder trial. Welcome to episode 13. I never saw her. So the trial resumed today after meeting its first speed bump yesterday, Frank, and it reached what the judge described as a significant waypoint with the prosecution closing their case before Josef Pushka then took the stand to tell his story. Before he did so, the jurors heard evidence about his Garda interviews following his arrest, during which he told them that he didn't know Ashling Murphy and had never met her, not on the day he's alleged to have murdered her or any time before that. Mm-hmm. Evidence was also heard about an email sent to the Garda press office a few days after the murder from someone claiming to have done it. So Frank, no evidence heard yesterday, but a lot to report on from Court 13 today. Yeah, I mean, yesterday's episode, I think, was just under the six minute mark. But I can guarantee you that this episode will be much longer because uh, they weren't long catching up after yesterday's speed bump. Lots of evidence heard again today. Uh, Two final witnesses called by the prosecuting barrister, Anne-Marie Lawler, uh, who also made another witness available to uh, the defence to give evidence about that suspicious email uh, that you mentioned. And she then formally closed the prosecution's case before Josef Pushka took the stand as part of his defence. And he only spent a half hour or so in the witness box before the trial finished up for the day. But before we get to that, did the judge have anything to say about yesterday's so-called speed bump? Well, all he said was that yesterday's difficulty had been resolved. So he asked the jurors to please put it to one side. He then told them that the prosecution had a few more witnesses to call before closing its case. And he said that once that happens, uh, he said the case becomes a real thing. And he, Mr. Justice Tony Hunt, that is, uh, likened it to the difference between reading a book or a movie script and actually seeing it on screen. He then thanked the jurors for their patience and the trial actually resumed with the statement of a witness who was not in court today, uh, nor was he required to be in court today uh, because we heard his evidence is accepted by both sides. So his statement was simply uh, read out this morning by uh, one of the prosecuting barristers and the jury was told to treat 
uh, that statement as if the witness was there in front of them in person giving evidence from uh, the witness box. The statement was made by a man called Jamie McGuinness, whose house uh, looks down the Grand Canal in Tullamore. He said that you can, in this statement, he uh, told the Gardaí that you can see the spot where uh, Ashley Murphy was murdered from his house. Uh, he said it was maybe 750 metres to a kilometre away. He said it takes about 10 minutes to get there if you walk through the fields. And he said he was out of the shed, uh, his shed on the day that Ashley was murdered and that he remembered seeing blue flashing lights and hearing sirens, uh, but he figured there'd been a crash. And after learning about what actually happened, uh, he said that he was reminded of a walk that he and his brother took down a wooded area at the end of his father's land at uh, that Christmas. Again, uh, that would have been uh, a few weeks beforehand. And on that walk, he said that he noticed uh, somebody had cut through the wooded area and had made a path through the ferns, which he thought was unusual. And he said he thought it would be an ideal place to bring her and an ideal place to escape from. And when he went down for another look, he said that he didn't see anything suspicious, but he did notice some marks in a ditch uh, on this man-made path that hadn't been there before. And he said he didn't know if they were boot marks or potentially skid marks left by an animal. So he said that he sent on a few photographs uh, to the guards. But as I say, Mr. McGuinness wasn't in court today. That statement was simply read out to uh, the jury and the judge had told them before it was read out that it is accepted by both sides. So that was the first thing the jury heard about today. And while Josef Pushka was the last person they heard from, let's talk about his brief stint in the box before the jurors were sent home for the day. Yeah, and, and it was brief. He was he was only in the witness box for about a half an hour before the court rose. Um, Ms Lawler formally closed her case at about half past three. And then his barrister, Michael Bowman, uh, confirmed to the jury that the defence would be going into evidence and he called his first witness. He was sworn in and the registrar asked him to please state his full name, to which he replied, Yosef Pushka. Another interpreter was sworn in then to translate his evidence for the jury. Um, Yosef Pushka has been provided with an interpreter who has sat in the dock throughout the trial and has translated um, the statements from various witnesses and their evidence to him throughout. But another interpreter was sworn in today to translate his evidence for the jury. She sat to the left of him uh, in the in the witness box close to the microphone so that she could be heard. And Mr. Bowman began by asking uh, Mr. Pushka a few questions about his background. Uh, Mr. Pushka confirmed that he is from Slovakia originally, a place called Poprad. Uh, he was born on the 7th of May 1990, so he's 33 years of age now. Um, he said that he came to Ireland 10 years ago, uh, back in 2013. And at the time that he is alleged to have murdered Ashling back in January of last year, uh, he said that he was living in Mukla, uh, just outside Tullamore Town with his wife and children. Mr. Bowman then asked him to explain to the jury his recollection of events that day. And he said, Mr. Bowman, that is, said, this is your story to tell, not mine. And Mr. Pushka then began by telling the jury that he left his house in Mukla on his pushbike at about half past 11 that morning. Uh, from there, he said he travelled to Tullamore. He was shown some maps and by using uh, various street names, business premises and other local landmarks, he outlined the route that he took that morning. And he said that he was trying to find his brother that day. And when asked why he was trying to find his brother, he said that he knew he went to the dentist with his wife and he was trying to find his car um, uh, towards the hospital or in any big car park, he said. Uh, that's why he found himself in some locations 
twice. Um, he was asked what time he got to Tullamorat. He thought maybe um, a quarter past 12 in the afternoon, but he said that he wasn't sure because he didn't have a watch. He was asked to describe the bike that he was on that day. He said it was a black, dark push bike with a green needle to the front and the name Falcon Storm. And at that point, Mr. Pushka was shown a photo of a bike, which he confirmed was the one he was on that day. And he was then asked about this recollection of meeting a lady out walking that day. Yes, and he said that he did recall that. And Mr. Bowman asked him if the lady with the dog is Anne-Marie Kelly. Anne-Marie Kelly is a witness uh, in this case who has already given her evidence to uh, the jury. And when Mr. Bowman mentioned her name uh, to him, Mr. Pushka said, Now I know this. Uh, Michael Bowman then said that she was of the view um, or that she thought that he was following her that day, to which he replied, that was not my intention at all, that I would follow her. Mr. Bowman pointed out that the CCTV shows him behind her. This is true, Mr. Puska said, but there was no bad intention whatsoever. I was riding the same way. I was riding all around town. I had no intention to follow anyone at all. And at that point, uh, the court rose for the day. And the jury will hear more from him in the morning. But I want to return to the final piece of evidence presented by the prosecution, Josef Pushka's Garda interviews. He was arrested on the morning of the 18th of January last year and interviewed five times between then and the following evening. That's right. And this evidence was presented to the jury by Detective Garda Colin O'Leary from Tullamore Garda Station. He was part of the team that interviewed uh, Mr. Pushka at all times. Uh, Mr. Pushka was interviewed by two members of that team. And for the most part, during those uh, interviews, one of the detectives would ask the questions uh, while the other would take down a handwritten note. Um, The interview was also electronically recorded. Uh, That process involves the interview being recorded on three separate DVDs, um, video and audio. And then at the end of each interview, uh, Mr. Pushka was asked to pick a copy for himself before uh, the discs were changed. And this is to protect... Um, suspects like Mr. Pushkep when they're being uh, interviewed and also the interviewing uh, Gardi, but it's also done to ensure that there is an accurate recording at the end. The jurors, I should say, weren't uh, shown those recordings today. Instead, they were told that they'd hear everything that is relevant and admissible through the evidence of Detective Garda. Uh, O'Leary. We heard the first of those five interviews began just before four o'clock on the day of his arrest, 4pm that is. Um, This was after he had been processed at the station, so his fingerprints had been taken, a DNA sample had been taken, his photographs had uh, been taken. Uh, Booklets containing the memo of interviews were then handed uh, to the jurors so that they could Um, read them and I suppose follow along. But they were warned by Mr Justice Hunt not to skip ahead in case they missed something. Um, Detective Garda O'Leary and Detective Garda Shane Jennings uh, took the first interview. It was a QA and a format and both the detective's questions and Mr Pushka's answers uh, were written down. Um, Early on, he was asked if he knew Ashling. He said no. He was then asked a lot of questions again in this first interview about his background. He said that he had one year left in secondary school back home in Slovakia when he decided to leave. Um, He said that he was living in a village back home uh, in a good family with good friends. He said that he went on to uh, move to Bratislava when he was 16 uh, before then going to Czech Republic, where he spent about five years, he said, uh, mostly in Prague. Uh, working on building sites. He, um, when he was asked when he moved to Ireland, he said he moved here in, in about 2013, um, firstly to Dublin, before moving then to Tullamore 
uh, two years later in 2015. He said that he lived in Mukla with his wife and five kids. He said his house in Mukla was a big house with five bedrooms. He described his relationship with his children as beautiful. I love them. They love me, he said. We understand each other. And he described the family as close. He was asked about um, uh, about his work and whether he had a job. And he said that uh, he wasn't able to work because of a back injury that he picked up uh, while working on building sites. So um, aside from not being able to work, he said that he could no longer do things that he really enjoyed, like playing football with his friends or going out for a run. He said that he takes painkillers um, for his back pain. And when he told the Gardaí that he didn't drive, he was asked how he gets around, mostly taxi or bus, he said. And when asked how he fills his days if he's not working, he told them that he tries to help with chores around the house. He brings the kids to school or collects them afterwards. Um, he was asked if he drank. He said he does so occasionally, um, but that he doesn't take any drugs, doesn't take any other medication aside from the painkillers uh, that he takes for that back pain. Towards the end of this interview, Detective Garda O'Leary told him they simply wanted to know what happened, to which Mr. Pushka said he didn't know. His second interview got underway later that evening and it, like all of his other interviews, was being monitored remotely. And at the beginning of this interview, he was shown a photo of his own hand taken in St. James's Hospital by a guarder from Blanchestown Garda Station. That's right. And the jury has already heard from that guarder, a guarder, Paul MacDonald, who uh, described taking a photograph um, with his own mobile phone of Josef Pushka's left hand. He had noticed some scratches on his left hand. And that photograph, as you say, was shown to uh, Mr. Pushka while he was being interviewed uh, in Tullamore. And he said that he couldn't recall somebody taking a picture of his hand in hospital. Uh, he was told that Ashley was killed uh, during the time that he was missing. And he said, I don't know anything about that. He was asked if he knew anything about her murder. And he said, I don't know anything. He was asked if he read anything about it. He said, no, nothing. He was asked, he said he looked at the news, but that he didn't speak English. So he didn't understand he was asked if he knew where Ashley was murdered. He said he didn't. He was shown a photograph of her. Uh, she was described to him as a 23-year-old primary school teacher who had her whole life ahead of her, uh, who went for a walk that day and found herself murdered. Uh, I don't see her. I don't know her, was Mr. Pushka's response when that photograph was shown to him. You didn't see her at all, he was asked. No, he said, I don't know her. Now, as it turns out, Mr. Pushka was arrested on the same day as Ashley Murphy's funeral was taking place. And he was told that during this interview. And when he was told that again, he said, I don't know anything. He was told that this was his chance to tell them. I don't know anything. He said again, uh, you know where you were that day. You're telling me you never met Ashley. I never saw her, he said, first on this picture. The third interview then took place on the 19th of um, January, the Wednesday, the day after he'd been arrested at 10 past nine uh, in the morning. Detective Garda Colin O'Leary was involved with this interview. So too was a uh, detective Garda Shane Jennings. And we heard that Mr. Pushka's period of detention had been extended by 12 hours overnight. So by now, at 10 past nine in the morning, his period of detention was due to expire at 731 that evening. Um, in this, his third interview, he was asked why he left his phone at home. He said that it um, was empty, it needed charging, he left it charging in his room. He was shown then some still images of him. Uh, these images were taken from CCTV footage uh, of 
him cycling around Tullamore that afternoon. He confirmed it was him in the still photographs or still images that he was shown. Uh, He was again shown that photograph of Ashley Murphy, the same photograph that he'd been shown in the previous interview. And he was asked if he recognized that girl. And he said, I have never seen that person. I don't recognize her now. This is Ashley Murphy. The Garda said, I don't recognize her. I never seen her before, was the reply. Have you ever had any contact with her? He was asked. No, never. Never seen her. No, never seen her before. She was 23 years old, taught first class kids. And at this point, um, when the Garda said that, he said, you have, he said to Mr. Pushka, you have a child of a similar age. And Mr. Pushka confirmed that he did have a boy going into first class. He was then shown some CCTV of Ashling uh, walking towards the Grand Canal on the day that she was killed. This was at five to three in the afternoon. The prosecution believes that she was murdered at about half past three. Um, He was asked if he recognised the person walking uh, in that clip. No, he said. Did you meet a girl like that on the 12th of January? No, was his reply again. He was asked if he was in contact with her uh, on the 12th of January last year. No, he said. He said that he'd never seen her before, so that he wouldn't have known her. I don't know her, he said. He was also told that um, just in relation to uh, the bike that was found at the crime scene, he was told that the guard that he had possession of it. He was shown a photograph of it, a Falcon Storm bike. He was shown a still image of him on a bike outside a laundrette. Uh, in Tullamore that afternoon and he was asked if he saw the similarities between the bike they had in their possession and the bike that he was on that day and he said that he did. Um, DNA was then explained to him and he was told every contact leaves a trace. And that brought an end to his third interview and his next interview began later that afternoon at about 1.45 and he was asked if he remembered meeting Gardaí from Crumlin and Brant. Blanchettstown while he was in hospital. Yeah, and he said that he didn't remember. He said that he was after surgery and had taken many tablets. Um, He was asked about uh, the confession that he made in hospital and he said, again, he didn't remember much because he was after surgery. He was asked, will you comment? And he said, I was after surgery. Person having that conversation must have noticed. Um, He was asked then if he had seen the girl with the dog. Anne Marie Kelly. And he said, yes, I did see her. And he was asked if he saw the person following her on the bike uh, again on the CCTV footage that he was shown. And he said, no. He was asked, could you could he identify that person? He said, no. It was put to him at that point then that it was him in that footage. And he replied, what I can see, this is not chasing, just going through town on bike. From what I saw on video, that person passed her. And he asked, how is he following her if he passed her? How did he chase her? He was also told at this point about the post-mortem that had been carried out uh, on Ashling uh, the day after she was killed. He was told that um, she had been stabbed by a knife or some other sharp implement, that she had been stabbed 11 times, savagely murdered in broad daylight. I understand, was Mr. Pushka's reply. He was asked, um, he, he was he was reminded that he said that he didn't know or recognise Ashling um, when they spoke the day before. And he said, yes, and I'm saying that right now. I've never known her. The guard then said that there was a huge amount of evidence that puts him there. And he was asked if he accepted that. And he said no. Um, the post-mortem was explained to him. He was told that Ashling had fought for her life, that there was a big struggle between her 
and her attacker. And he was asked if he understood that. He said he did. He said there was material found under her fingernails, human tissue that wasn't hers. Again, Mr. Pushka said that he understood. And he was asked at that point if there was anything else that he would like to tell them. And he said, no, everything is all right. In his fifth and final interview then, he was asked to account for a number of things and he was told that he didn't have to answer, but that if he refused or failed to do so, that a jury down the line could use that as inference evidence. Yeah, and um, inference was explained to him by using two examples. The first was um, he was asked to imagine two kids in a room, chocolate cake on the table, um, a piece is suddenly gone and one of the kids now has chocolate around their mouth and the inference there is that that child has eaten the piece of cake. The second example was to imagine somebody coming into your house with a wet umbrella and a wet coat. What is the inference there? The inference there is that it had been raining and he was told that inference evidence alone isn't enough to convict a person but that it can be used to corroborate other pieces of evidence in a case. That was explained to him on a number of occasions. Um, He was also told that if he wanted to have a private consultation with his solicitor at any point that he needed only ask and that that would be facilitated. We heard he did have consultations with his solicitor ahead of uh, each and every one of those five interviews. And then specifically in relation to the bike that was found at the scene along the Grand Canal near where Ashleen's body was found, he was asked to account for his possession of that bike. He was told that it was forensically linked to him and that they also had CCTV of him on a bike at various locations leading up to her murder. And his response when he was asked to give an account for that was, I am not giving an explanation to this. He was then asked about the DNA found under Ashley's fingernails. He was asked to um, account for how it got there. And he said, I will not comment on that. Uh, Detective Garda Colin O'Leary then asked him to account for the marks seen by Garda Paul MacDonald the day after the murder at St. James's Hospital, marks and scratches on his hands and forehead. And he again said, I will not comment on that. He was asked to account for his presence at the location uh, in or about the time of her murder. And again, he said, I will not comment on this. He was asked if he wished to say anything. And he replied, I don't want to comment on that. No, he was told, this is your opportunity. Do you wish to give any account? And again, he said, I will not comment on that. And that concluded the evidence in relation to his interviews with Gardi. The jury has already been told that he was charged with Ashling's murder later that evening and taken to the courthouse in Tullamore. But before we go, can I ask you about this suspicious email sent to the Garda press office? And this was sent just a few days after Ashling's murder. Yes, and and Detective Superintendent Pat O'Callaghan, who was the senior investigating of, officer um, in, in the investigation into Ashling's murder, was made available to the defence. He's already given evidence to the jury, but he was made available to uh, the defence so that Michael Bowman could ask him about this email, an email that we heard that was sent uh, to the Garda press office uh, five days after Ashleen's murder and it read to whom it may concern I am the person responsible for the murder I was in Tullamore that evening I had the black tracksuit I am so sorry 
Now, when that email was received by the team at the Garda Press Office, they immediately forwarded to the incident room in Tullamore. Um, Somebody was given the job of tracking down the IP address from which that email was sent. They did manage to um, locate that IP address. And on the 2nd of March, then, we heard that Garda went to that person's house. Uh, That person indicated to them that he had ADHD, uh, that he suffered from depression, uh, that he had mental health difficulties spanning back to his childhood. He also told them that he had some difficulty with alcohol and that he had no recollection of sending that email, nor did he believe that he had sent it. The email we heard was then shown to him. It had been sent from his account. And again, he said that he didn't remember sending it. He said he must have been drunk and he apologised for it. He said, what an idiot I am. I must have sent it if it's there. He said he didn't murder her. He said he's not capable of it. He said he was very sorry. And he said that he shouldn't go on the internet uh, when he was drinking. And I should say that um, uh, Superintendent O'Callaghan said that the Gardaí investigated this fully. Uh, They were very satisfied that the explanation offered um, was uh, true. And they excluded him from their inquiries at that point. And as it turns out, on the same day that that email was sent, Yosef Pushka was arrested. That's it for episode 13 of All Rise, the Ashling Murphy murder trial. Josef Pushka took the stand today and he'll step back into the witness box when the trial resumes at half past 10 in the morning. I'm Frank Graney, Court's correspondent for News Talk, and I'll be in court every day. You can follow me on X at Frank Graney for updates and make sure you follow this podcast. All rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial for an impartial and comprehensive account of what happens in court on any given day. All rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial was hosted by Frank Graney and Ashling Moore with sound design by Lachlan Hart. Follow the podcast on Newstalk.com, on the Newstalk app, powered by Go Loud, or wherever you get your podcasts.